Okay, let me turn on my little recorder and we'll get started. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 8 with me, if you would. And we are in the second part of this series sermons on the seven IMs that uh, John records for us of Jesus in the Gospel of in the Gospel of John. Uh, the probably the biggest one was, in, and I started last week's message off with this too. And you'll remember where Jesus had the great confrontation with the when, with the religious leaders of his day. He was speaking to those who who were teachers of the law, and uh, you know well, like like I do, that Jesus had a lot of problem with religious people, particularly those who who thought that uh, they they knew the word and they were they thought that it was their place to tell everybody else how to act according to their perception of the word. And you could tell that they really didn't know what the word, well, they, they knew what it said, but you could tell they really didn't know what it meant because when the living word, Jesus Christ, came and he, he spoke of his Father's truth to them, they didn't recognize it. Matter of fact, it made them very angry. And, you know, they were, they were part of the, the big power play to get Jesus uh, eliminated. And they did. They, wor- they worked that out. But in the scenario that we talked about, it's where Jesus claimed to be the I Am. And you remember, he talked about uh, Abraham. And he talked about seeing Abraham. And, 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 they, and they said, well, you're, not even, you're just but 30 years old. How, how can you talk about you, were, you, you saw Abraham? And, and his response was, uh, he, his response was, before Abraham was, I am. And they became very upset with that. They tore their clothes and they were going to, they just, they about lost it. They spun out of control. And uh, because, because it wasn't just a statement of him saying, like we would say, I am Tony. He, he was saying, I, he was declaring his deity before them, which they considered to be complete blasphemy. By the way, that's, a, that's, that's one of those truths about Jesus that, that you have to come to a conclusion on. Either he is a blasphemer or, he's, or he is God in the flesh. There's no middle ground there. You know, he's not just a great prophet. If, if he's just a prophet and not the Son of God and not God himself in the flesh, then he's a lying prophet. Not just a great teacher, okay? If he's, if he's just a good teacher and not Son of God in flesh, then, then he's a deceptive teacher, okay? We have to remember that. He claimed to be, and, and you'll hear some people say, well, he never claimed to be God. Well, right there, he claimed to be God. And they, those religious men understood what he, what he was claiming of himself. Well, tying in with that I am, John seven other times talked about Jesus when, when Jesus spoke the words and, and, he, and he, he said, I am. Last week we talked about where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Tonight we're going to look at where Jesus makes the statement twice in the Gospel of John, I am the light of the world. So in the 8th chapter, we're going to look at verses, verse 12, and here's what Jesus says in John chapter 8, uh, verse 12. He said, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And go over to chapter 9 and verse 5, and here's what Jesus says. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus was claiming something about him, about himself. He was declaring something about, about his very nature, that he, was, that he is the light of the world. And that light is the light of God. It is a light of God that shines into creation itself. And if you think about um, darkness and light, sometimes we want to say that darkness is the opposite of light. Well, darkness is not actually the opposite of light. It is the absence of light. 
And the, and the principle of light is when it's shined into the darkness, what happens to the darkness? Every time that light shines in the dark, what happens to the darkness? The darkness has to flee. It can't, it can't stand. So light always pushes away the darkness. They're not two opposites that are battling each other as if they have equal standing. Light always dominates. Light always pushes away the darkness. And so Jesus talked about himself as being the light of the world. And we can see him. I hope you see him as the light of the world. We're going to talk about in just a little bit that he said, because I'm the light of the world, you too are to be the light of the world. You are a Christian. You are a born-again child of God. And Jesus said, those things which I do, you will do also because I go to my Father. So he tells us, and we'll look at this in the book of Matthew, that we too are to be the light of the world as he was, was the light of the world. Okay, The nature of man, apart from the touch of the Holy Spirit, is to reject the light. The nature of man, apart from the Holy Spirit, is to, to hide in the darkness. Man did not like what light does. When Jesus touches a person's heart, when he touches their soul, he reveals everything about us. And that can be pretty hard on us. Because I don't know about you, but the first time he... I guess I would say when I was 16, when the first time I realized that he, that he shined, shone, shined his light on me, there was a mess there. And by the way, since I've been born again since I was 16, there have been several messes there also. And as I, we all need the light of Christ to show us. So when we pray, Holy Spirit, show me anything in my life that ought not to be there. When we make that request, what he's going to do is he's going to shine his light of truth. He's going to shine his light of revelation in your life. The Holy Spirit's going to show those things to you. And then he's going to, if you'll, if you'll respond to him, he will take those things away from you. That's what he does. So, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. It, I, you know, I don't know that I believe that, I, get, I don't believe that, that, that Jesus used words by coincidence. I think he intended to use the word light. And there are some principles or property of light that I think are important for us that, that kind of, for me anyways, and I, I'm no scientist, I'm not a son of a scientist, I'll be honest with you, I flunked biology in, in high school. Pretty bad, huh? Okay, so I had to take earth science. And barely made it through that. So that's not that's not my field. But there there are some there are some principles of, of, of light that that actually tie in with Jesus choosing to use that, that word that, that 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 term light for us. And I want to share those with you. You have they're in your notes right there that I, that I wrote down for you. The 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 some of these principles of light, what light does, and why would Jesus use choose to use in this case the term light for himself? Well, there are some things we know about God, and there are some things we I guess know about light. And I'm just I'm taking someone else's word for it. So if you think I'm incorrect, this is not a place to correct me. You can correct me later on. But uh, anyways, uh, first thing, light is unchanging. It's a constant. Okay? It is an incredible creation of God, but it, it doesn't change. And when we talk about Jesus being the light of the world, one of the attributes of, of, of Almighty God is that He is immutable, which means that God does not change. He's the same today as He was yesterday, as He will be tomorrow. He is constant. He is unchanging. And one of the properties of light is that, that it is unchanging. So it reveals part of what Jesus was talking about. The second property of light that I wrote down, that light, light is unique. In other words, it's one of a kind. There's nothing else like it. Light is unique. It, it, uh, it, it is different from any other part of creation. and some, It's part of God's wonder of creation. And light stands alone, if you will. 
And that way we understand that, that God and Jesus Christ is unique. They're one of a kind. There are, not, there are not many gods out there, right? How many gods are there? There's only one God. Everything else that claims to be God or everything else that people worship as being a God are not gods at all. God is God and there's no other gods that exist. He is God who stands alone. And part of the, the commandments that he gives us is that we recognize him as the God who stands alone. We, you will have no other gods before me. You won't even make any graven images of your so-called gods that you might bow down and worship because I am God. I am I'm God and I'm holy and, and, and I am, he is, one of a kind. There's no, there's no other being like him. Uh, even we're not like him. Uh, in the sense of being God-like, although we, the Bible says we're created in His image, that does not mean we're created as little gods. And uh, apart from what the, apart from what the many of the the health and wealth people tell you, when you become a Christian, you don't become a little god either. You are a redeemed human being who's been born again in, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Alright, so we have light which is unchanging. We have, uh, I should have said the speed of light is unchanging. We have light which is unique. We have light which is invisible. Light itself is invisible. It must enter the human eye in order to be seen or, or to be comprehended. And in the very same way, when you, think about, when you think about God, God is invisible. And he must, be, he must enter the heart in order to be received and comprehended and understood and we, we would all still claim we still don't fully understand him though the miracle of the new birth brings God into our into our hearts and into our life light is also a unique duality now I read a lot on this and when I got done reading I'm sitting there looking and go I don't know what I just read you ever done that before well the guy put it down like this that it is wave and particle that it is electric and magnetic. Does that make sense to anybody? Okay. So it's a unique duality. Okay. And and the the uh, comparison between light and Christ in that matter is that Jesus is a unique du- duality. He is fully God and fully man. Now, as I don't understand the duality of light, I can con- I can tell you I don't understand the fullness of what it means that Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time not possible from a human perspective only possible by a miracle of God but light light again speaks of who Jesus is in that way go on in here light uh, can be changed from energy into matter energy into matter We're gonna, uh, someone confiscate uh, Luke's phone <laughs> okay uh, light can be changed into matter and if you think again it speaks of Jesus in, in this way, that Jesus, eternal God, became man. And again, man cannot become God. It's an impossibility. But we have, the again, a miracle of God where eternal God became man, yet never ceasing to be who he eternally is. We've talked about that. Light is unique concerning time. Okay? It's not restricted by time. Not bound by time in that sense that we understand it. And God Himself is outside of time. You understand? I start dealing with this, and my mind starts spinning. But what we have a tendency to do as human beings is to bring God down to our level, even in the sense of time. We are linear thinkers by creation. 
we stepped on the line of time somewhere and somewhere we'll step off the line of time and we're pretty well stuck on that line of time okay so we we even think that way. we think in a linear in a linear way so but time I want you to hear this time itself is a creation of God and God by definition is not restricted by any of his creation he's the one that created it so though we are restricted and we are bound by time God is not bound by time he is not restricted by time okay start start thinking those things and you start maybe getting a glimpse where it says well Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world well we know he was actually died on the cross 2,000 years ago to wonder what eternity is going to be like when time is no more. I wonder what heaven's like now. I, my perception of heaven is we don't have, since I don't believe they're still on that kind of linear time that we are down here, I don't believe we have a bunch of people up in heaven waiting for us to get there. I, I just think that they're there and, and we're there. They're not up there just waiting, you know, looking. You always get, uh, uh, Dad's looking over you now. Well, I don't really think he is, but, uh, uh, and I don't think he's up there waiting when I'm when I'm going to get there. You know, you know, the Bible actually says that that we're already seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. What's the fullness of that mean? I don't know. You know, when you think about all the different things that 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 time restrains us here uh, uh, on this earth. Well. God is not restricted by time in any sense. That's why Peter would say to God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. Um, okay, last thing. Light contains tremendous energy. We're told that. And again, we see that God created light. The Bible says that he covers himself with light. He is the all-powerful and he's greater than the stars and he's greater than the galaxies and he is greater than light itself and yet light remains a mystery to us even with all that we we think we know okay but you go back to the beginning of the Bible and it talks about God said what did God say God said let there be light and the Bible says there was light you keep those things in proper order and what you see is light existed before anything that we as finite men think are sources that create light. Before the sun, before the moon, before the stars, light existed before those things ever existed. I think we're going to be completely and totally amazed when we, if we get to heaven and we get to, we get to know these things. We say, wow, light is an incredible thing. Yet, what I want you to see tonight is that that even as incredible as it is, it is God who spoke even light into existence with all its wondrous properties and the properties that Jesus chose to use to reflect who he is in our life. All-powerful. So when you, when, you, when you start to break that down, you start maybe getting a little bit of an idea of why Jesus chose to use the, the terminology of a light for himself. Now those are some of the properties of light. But how does the light of Christ work in our lives? And 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 he wants us to speak to speak he wants to speak about these things in our life. Go back in, in chapter eight and verse twelve. He said Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and the ones who walk with me or the one who follow me, they shall not walk in darkness. Have you ever walked in a pitch black room? 
you know, sometimes, sometimes around here at night, you know, Fountain Hills is a dark city. Except if you go down by the fountain, then you get this sort of glow happening and stuff nowadays. But, but you know, uh, we, have, we, you know, even when my kids visit from over in, in in Happy Valley and Gilbert, they come over and say, "Dad, it's it's just dark driving down these roads. There's no no street lights and stuff like that, and and can get lost in that." Well, man without Christ is walking in darkness. Man without Christ, they're lost. And he uses the, the picture of darkness, or even carrying it even a little bit further, the picture of blindness, not being able to see. And in Christ, Christ illuminates our path. He is, as he says here, the light of the world. He is the one that pushes back the darkness in our life. He's the one that enables us to see what really is. That's why... It's why I, I, I got in a debate with another another pastor sometime because he 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 kept talking about faith. He kept saying, "Faith is a step into the darkness. Faith is a step into the darkness." I said, "You know what? I think that sounds good for your sermon, but it's not biblical because faith is not a. St- if, if we believe what Jesus says here, biblical faith is never a step into the darkness, but biblical faith is always a step into the light." If biblical faith means to respond to God's work in our life and that we follow Him and, and that, that He's leading our life, would He lead us into darkness or would He lead us into light? I mean, we got to think about those questions. Sometimes we say things because we've always been taught it. You know, I had this one guy said, well, we're, we're sitting like in a light, just beams on us and stuff, and God's asking us to step out of that beam of light into the darkness and, and trust Him. Well, no, He's asking us to step into the light, and into the light we trust Him. Blind faith, blind faith is not a biblical concept. Biblical faith always, listen, biblical faith always brings sight. Biblical faith always brings illumination. God's not asking you to step out there on your own and and see how it works out. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And what's he say here? Those, what's he say, look at it. He said, he who follows me shall what? Shall not walk in what? darkness, but have the light of life. That's a promise from Jesus. He is the light of the world, and if we walk in Him, we're not walking in darkness, we're walking in, in the light. You know, and you know, the Old Testament psalmist talked about this light. He, said, he talked about the Word of God being a what? A, 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 light, a light into my feet, a light into my path. Again, the journey of in Christ is lit up, folks. The journey in Christ is illuminated. The journey in Christ is, is a walk in light and understanding. It's not a walk in darkness and confusion. Remember this, the, in, the principles that we that sometimes we attribute to, to our faith actually many times are the principles of the enemy. Does God bring confusion or does he bring clarity? Does God bring darkness or does he bring light? Who brings confusion? Who brings who brings darkness into the world? These are the things that we gotta we gotta remember here. And and Jesus wants to know, wants his followers to know that he is the light of the world. And being the light of the world, if we walk in him, we will not walk in darkness, we will not walk in confusion, we will not walk in blindness, we will walk in his illuminating illuminating presence, which reveals everything. It's a wonderful promise. Because Many of us, for a lot of years, stumbled around in darkness, trying to make our own way, finding that those things did not work work for us. 
It's only when the Holy Spirit touched our heart and we trusted Jesus that, that many things became very clear. That's what Jesus does. He clarifies. He clarifies things for us. He clarifies his truth. So, when we, when we look at this, this passage, Jesus says here in verse 12, He who walks in with me does not walk in darkness, for, for, but I am the light. I am the light of life. So our life is to be illuminated by the presence of Jesus Christ in us. And then go over to, to chapter 9 again, and, and look what he says. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, you say, well, he's gone. But he's not gone. Certainly he's not walking around in, 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 in that flesh that, that, he, that he had in those, those 33 years that he was on, on the earth. But the Bible tells me that he's here. One of the, one of the verses where two or three are gathered in my name, what's he say? There I will be also. It is Jesus who said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. All those promises that he is very present in our life and very present in our walk. And he continues to be the light of the world for us. Amen. And that seems to be the... The, the clashing, the, the confrontation between light and darkness of this world. That men would choose darkness rather than choose light. Go with me over to the third chapter of John. And as we talked about the principles of light and what Jesus does for us being the light of the world, that we don't have to walk in darkness... Light does more than that. And Jesus, who is the light of the world, does more than that for us. John chapter 3, starting with verse 19. And you'll, you'll recognize uh, 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 a lot of this, this passage uh, because it is the occurrence, part of the occurrence of when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. And where we hear for the first time that, uh, that we must be, we, that phrase, must be born again. I'm gonna, how many of you were alive when Jimmy Carter was the president? I was, I was in the army when Jimmy Carter was the president. The, the magazines were almost funny. Well, the president said you got to be born again. Like, like Jimmy Carter come up with that, you know. But you know, Jimmy Carter is a Sunday school teacher in, in Atlanta, <laughs> and uh, he didn't come up with it. He read it out of the book. And Jesus said, "You must be born again." Now we look at this passage here, and Jesus continues to talk to Nicodemus about what he's trying to say of the impact of his presence in the world, the impact even for we who are born again. Look at verse 19. We'll read through verse 26. It said. It said, uh, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that, that they have been done in God. By the way, that's where we're stopping. I don't know why I put 26 on there, verse 21. What does Jesus say here? Jesus says here in this passage that we just read, he says that the, the condemnation, and you'll remember in John 3.16, which you're very familiar with, where he says, for God so loved the world that he gives only begotten Son. But then verse 17 tells us something a little bit more about Jesus. He said, he said I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but I came into the world that the world might be saved through me. Because Why? He said, because the, the world is condemned already. The world is lost in its sin already. Now, in verse 19, he said, and this is a condemnation. What is the condemnation? It is that the world has rejected Christ and rejected the light of God. 
Okay, He says there in verse 19 that the light has come into the world and what do men love more than the light? Darkness. Men love darkness more than the light. And as I said earlier, one of the, one of the things that the light of God does it, is it reveals what is. When the light of Christ shines on you, if you are a child of God who's been born again, what the, the, the light of Christ will reveal in you is His righteousness. Now notice I didn't say your righteousness. His righteousness. And that you are covered in His righteousness. And that your standing before God has, made been, has been made complete by the work of the Holy Spirit in you. You are clean. You are, you are righteous because you are His. When the light of Christ shows itself in a person's life that does not know Jesus yet, or may not ever know Jesus, it reveals their spiritual condition also. The light reveals the truth. The light reveals what is. And the truth is, nobody can hide from the light of Christ. You can deceive yourself. You can put on for other people. But you know what the light of Christ always does? It reveals what is, e- what, what is eternally true. We can't hide from God. We can, again, we can fool other people. But God knows. And it is the light of Christ that reveals what is. And that's what he says here. The light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. Here's the truth about each one of us. Left to our own devices, we would go our own way. And I know there's somebody, probably, maybe, somebody, maybe even somebody here says, I don't know, I'm a, I'm, re- I'm a relatively good person. You know, I'm, 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 I'm as good as most people are. Left to our own devices, we would, we would move toward the darkness rather than the light. It's by the grace and the mercy of God that we've been brought into the kingdom of God. And by His work, He has brought us from darkness into light. And that transformation that Jesus Christ did in us, though we are capable of doing deeds of darkness, that's not where we want to live. We don't want to live in the darkness. We want to live in the light of Christ. And if we have no desire to live in the light of Christ, we ought to be checking out whether or not we really know Christ or not. You see, that becomes the evidence of, of who we are. Verse 20 talks about, he says that everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. I always think about it this way. Well, why, do, why do most burglaries happen at night? Why do burglars wear a mask? They don't want to be seen. It really is like a little manifestation of, of, of what evil does. We try to hide that. We don't want anybody to see it. Mankind is more comfortable to, do, to doing their deeds under the cloak of darkness rather than doing it exposed in the light. Why are their, ta- why are their deals done under the table all the time in politics? Where nobody knows. Why do these things begin to happen? Because people don't, they don't want people to know. I think we'd probably be amazed if, if all the deals, let's just say over the last 30 years from who's ever been president or whatever, were just sort of laid out there on the table. We go, oh, are you kidding me? What is this? People like to do, and the Bible speaks this, people like to do their dirty deeds in seclusion or in darkness. And they don't like the light. You know, it's like, almost like Jesus is saying here, we're kind of like spiritual cockroaches as human beings. You know, 
and that doesn't make sense. I think about Ron there. That you don't want to find a bunch of cockroaches in your kitchen. I know that, but <laughs> but uh, uh, you've, how many of you ever turn on the light when a bunch of cockroaches have been in the room? Not in your own house. Probably someone houses you were you're visiting, right? What do they do when the light comes on? They scatter. They go, and where do they run to? You ever think about that? Where do they run to? They run to the dark places again. And we're, you know, it, he talks about human beings being that way spiritually with God. Christ, the light of the world, came into the world, and man loved the darkness more than they loved the light. Because the light exposed their evil deeds. And not only their evil deeds, Jesus takes it a step further here. It exposed that they were evil. The light of Christ does not just catch you doing something. The light of Christ reveals where your heart is. If your heart is dark, if your spirit is dead, that's what the light of Christ reveals. Verse 21, But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen. They have been done, that they have been done in God. When you do what is right, you don't have to hide. So I talk, talk about the people when they when you talk about people who lie. You know what liars have to do? They have to do it. What liars have to do? They have to remember what they said. Always liars always have to remember what they said. If not, they'll get caught in their lie sooner or later. You know when you don't have to really worry or remember what you say? If you just speak the truth. Just speak the truth. And you'll never contradict yourself. It is, it is those who want to be deceptive that have to remember what they said. Jesus reminds us in the end of this passage here that those who, who do the truth, who speak the truth, who live the truth, who walk in the truth, they come to the light. Why? To impress other people with our righteousness? Not if you understand biblical Christianity. We who are born-again Christians hopefully understand that anything we do, anything we say, anything we're involved in, we, we are involved and we say those things to the glory of God. And that brings me to my third point. You'll find it over in the book of Matthew. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Jesus is the light of the world. That's what we're told. We've talked about the principles of the light and how those things uh, give us a picture, uh, maybe a better picture of Jesus when he talked about the light. We've talked about, about what his light does. In the life of men, it, it reveals what is. Whether you're righteous, whether you're unrighteous. Whether you're holy, whether you're evil. Now, Jesus is the light of the world. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus calls us also. Since we're his disciples, we're his followers, he calls us also to be the light of the world. If Christ is in us, what should be reflected? Well, the light of Christ. Okay? Tell you How many times I tell you, Christianity is not... An, an, an exhibition of good deeds. Christianity is not proven to people that you're righteous and they're not righteous. A Christian is one who reflects the light and the life of Christ. Because the, the Christian life is something none of us can live on our own. If the Holy Spirit does not transform us and, and live that life through us, we couldn't possibly live it as good as we think we might be. We're not righteous in and of ourselves. Even as Christians, we are not made righteous in and of ourselves. The Bible says that we are the righteousness, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
If you're born again, Christ is your righteousness. And because He is your righteousness and He is the light of the world, you and I too are called to be the light of the world. Why? Again, not to prove how righteous we are, how good we are, how right we are and the rest of the world is wrong, but to reflect the light of Christ. And how does that work? Well, let's look at what Jesus' word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Here's what Jesus said. He said, You are the light of the world. This is the same Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. Now he speaks to his, his disciples, his followers. You are the light of the world. And here's how he, how he speaks of us. He says, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Now, I already referenced one, one president. Now, let me just re- reference another. Ronald Reagan did not come up with that on his own. Okay? He got it out of the book, just like Jimmy Carter got the other one out of the book. A city that's hit, that set on a hillside cannot be hidden. In other words, you see a city on the hillside, you see light on that city, everybody sees it. That's a, that, that becomes the point. And Jesus is speaking about us. We're the light of the world. And we really are that to be that city, if you will, whose light is seen by the world. He goes on to say, Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a lampstand, and, and it gives light to all who are in the house. It makes no sense to light a lamp and then cover it. Okay? It makes no sense at all. Why light? The point is, why would you light it in the first place? A, a lamp has a purpose. And Jesus talks about it. The lamp has a purpose to light the room that it's in. You and I have a purpose as the light of the world. We are to light the room, the, the place, wherever we are. We live in a dark world. And I'm going to tell you, I've shared this, I believe it's getting darker and darker. And a lot of it's, this darkness is happening because Christians have done just what Jesus said we shouldn't do. We've, we've taken our light and we've hid it. We've covered it up. We don't want anybody to know that we're really Christians. We don't want anybody to know that we're really associated with that Jesus guy. We've let the world define us. And, we, and in that defining us, we've let the world restrict us. We've become fearful. Instead of, instead of followers of Christ, we've become fearful of the world. Now, you know, I've shared with you so many times that we're not to be abrasive. We're, we're not to be the offense. But you need to understand that when you live in a dark place, if you shine the light of Christ in that dark place, there will be some people offended. It should not be our intent. Because the truth is, all of us, here's the point. All of us walked in darkness at one time. And by His mercy, God brought us into the light, right? How are, the, how are other people going to know that Jesus is the light of the world if the church ceases to be the light of the world? It's not, a, it's not a message of condemnation. It's a message of hope. It's a message of salvation. It's the wonderful gospel. But if we're not shining the light of Christ, if we've taken something and covered up that light, how can they ever see who Christ is? You know you are the body of Christ. That's what the Bible says. You, the church, are the body of Christ. In a very real way, you are the physical representation of Christ to the world. And if they are going to see Christ in, a, in an everyday real sense, they're going to see Christ in the followers of Christ. That's where they're going to see it. That's where they're going to see Him. By the way, I tend to believe that when they see that in us then they're a little bit more open 
to, to, to at least listen to why we are the way we are. Doesn't mean they're all going to accept. Many will reject. But you know what? If we're not shining a light, they're not going to. They're not going to have any reason to be asking us why we are like we are. And maybe that's what the big problem is with the church: is we're so much like the world instead of like Jesus. And so he says in here, you don't light a light and put it under a basket. You put it on a lampstand. You understand a lampstand. A lamp stand is to put the light up. Because if the light is up, then the light shines out more. You want that light to impact as much of the room as it can. That's why you put it on a lampstand. And Jesus has called us in the time that he's appointed for us to be on this earth to be the light of the world and impact as much and as many people as we can as we reflect his light. Again, why? Not so that we can boast that we are the light of the world. Not so we can boast of our righteousness. Not so we can boast of our goodness. Now, we, Here's what he says in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men. Why? He answered that. That they may see your good works. They may see the light of Christ in you. And do what? And glorify your Father in heaven. We exist to glorify God. That word glorify is a big churchy word we use sometimes and people don't really even know what it means. And there's a lot of different definitions, but the basic meaning of that word is to make known. That's the basic meaning of that word. Okay? We, we sing that old, that old uh, chorus, In my life, Lord, be glory, glorified. <laughs> i got to share with you a story. When I was pastoring in Tucson, we had this little boy, and he was four years old. Little red-headed, freckle-faced kid. As cute as he could be. And he, he was everything that a red-headed, freckle-faced kid was. So, uh, uh, And he told his mom one day, I heard him, we were in the courtyard of the church, and he says, his mom, I can't wait till my birthday. And, and he said, well, she said, well, Eric, you know, you're four now, everything's good. Why, why, why can't you wait till, till, till your birthday? He said, well, he said, because I'll be five. She says, yeah, you'll be five on your birthday. And he said, yeah, I, I can't wait because we sing that song, In My Life, Lord, Be Glorified. <laughs> Couldn't wait to be glorified. So I don't know if he understood what that meant, but he wanted it. We exist. We exist to make God known. Okay. We must be careful that we don't speak or do or act or have an attitude or something like that that reflects poorly on our God. That's why I always encourage you to be people of the Word. You know, don't be religious people. Be people of the Word. Let your truth come from the Word of God. Not simply by tradition, not simply by ritual. Let it come by, by, by a, the life-changing Word of God so that that which you reflect in the world is Jesus. You understand, as you go out in this world this week, you're not out there primarily representing First Baptist Church. You're certainly not out there representing the pastor of First Baptist Church. You are out there to represent Jesus. Right now, there are two classes going on. They're discipleship classes. They're not discipleship classes of how to be a better Baptist or how to be a better member of this particular church. They are just teaching how to be a disciple of who? Of Jesus. If we're making disciples of anybody else or anything else, we're, we're involved in some idolatry, folks. 
And the light that we have been called to shine is a light that glorifies God. It is the light that, Jesus said, it is the light that reveals God to men. When people see you and me out there in the world, they don't need to see a bunch of people trying to be the best Christians they can be. They need to see Jesus in us. And you know that's only going to happen as we're surrendered to Christ. As we turn over control of our life to the Holy Spirit. And, 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 because you remember when Jesus said, when, when I leave you, I'm going to send the Helper. And what He will do, He will take what is mine and He will give it to you. And He said, and the Holy Spirit will always glorify me. The Holy Spirit will always make me known. So for we Christians, we who are called to be the light of the world, it is the, 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 the life of the Holy Spirit in us that brings out of us the light of Christ. And we literally become what Jesus says here. You are the light of the world. And the reason you are the light of the world, the reason you're, you're, you're put out in that world to, to push away the darkness, to speak the truth, to, to, to reveal God, the reason that you have been made that is so that God might be known among men. That my Father who is in heaven might be glorified, is what Jesus said. That's why we exist. That's why we've been called the church. Now think about this, and I'll close with this thought. It's not much different than what Jesus did. I want, to put it, I want you to put it this way. He says he's the light of the world. He says we're the light of the world. He says we're the light of the world to glorify or make his Father known. That's what he says, right? We just read that. What did he say about why he came? Well, we could say he said to come to be a ransom, and that's true. We can see he said he came to be a, you know, to, to give his life for many, and that's true. But do you remember that he also said, I came to reveal my Father. And you remember in John the 14th chapter, when, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one can come to the Father except by me, that one of the disciples said, Oh, Jesus, if you would just show us the Father then that would be enough for us. And he looks at his disciple and he says, Listen, have I been with you so long? Have I, have I been with you all this time? And still you don't know? If you've seen, the fa- if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. And in a very real way, Jesus has made us his own dear children. Jesus has created us as the body of Christ so that the world might see in us Jesus. And they might glorify his Father who's in heaven. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Don't hide your light under a bushel. You're not called to walk in darkness, but you're called to walk in light. Don't love the darkness, love the light. Reveal the light of Christ wherever he calls you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together this evening. Thank you for your precious word. Lord, thank you for the truth that you give us. And I'm so grateful uh, for all of who Jesus is. And, and Lord, my words are so limited when it comes to expressing who God is and who Jesus is. But I'm grateful for the revelation. I'm grateful for your word that shows us these things. And I'm grateful for your Holy Spirit who teaches these, these things. Lord, let us be a people who walk in the light of Christ. Let us be the light of the world as Christ shows himself in us and through us. Let us not be ashamed and hide that light under a bushel, but let us have it shine into the world that they might know that God is God and they might be able to have the opportunity to put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Savior. Thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for the way you blessed us. Help us to be your church in all things. In Jesus' name.
Amen. You're dismissed.